Welcome along to the Gersnet Weekly Podcast, a totally free and independent Rangers show made by fans for fans where the content is always absolutely free. And that free content doesn't start and end with the podcast. But if you head over to our website at www.devsnet.co.uk, you can find a load of great stuff there, including the friendly discussion forum, plenty of articles, a social media page, uh, as well as a, a really interesting history archive as well. So please do head over and check that out. If it's your first time with us, then thank you for joining us. We go live every Friday night. It's uh, just gone half past nine on the 24th of October. Uh, but the podcast is always available for download uh, the following Monday and that is wherever you get your normal podcast from including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher and also on Spotify if you haven't subscribed so far then please do and give us a wee like, subscribe and comment if you have the time to do so we're here uh, as I say live to discuss a couple of games that Rangers have had this week including the St Mirren game this afternoon uh, and then the, the, the game that we had at Ibrox against Bromby in midweek in the Europa League uh, we'll also take a wee look at some other news stories that have dominated the agenda for Rangers throughout the week. Uh, we've got two excellent and very seasoned Jersnet podcast guests to uh, to help us through seasoned being the operative word and a kinder way of saying old. Uh, first of all, we have Colin Armstrong. Colin, relieved of hosting duties tonight, you can relax and be a guest. Do you, do you prefer being a guest to being a host? Uh, I'm I'm easy, Ross. I can I'm I'm, I'm adaptable. I'm like Scott Nisbet. You know what I mean? I'm I'm versatile. I'm a versatile player, so I don't mind. It, it does make it a wee bit easier not being host because you don't need to worry about writing the agenda. Uh, and neither did you, taking a look at your effort the night. <laughs> <laughs> Steady. Thank you for that. That's the only thing. That it can be like when I'm making dinner and stuff like that on a Sunday for the kids and all that, then I haven't to write an agenda and a bit of a problem, especially if the game's been on the Sunday. Uh, but other than that, no, I'm, I'm easy. I'll, I'll, I don't mind hosting or guests. Excellent. Moving on from from one easy person to another, Stuart. We are Stuart. How's your week been? All the better for hearing Colin described as the Scott Nisbet of the Jersnet podcast. In other words, he only gets a chance when four other people are out. So, <laughs> um, I mean, I always held him a bit higher, you know, in, in, in my my pecking order than that. But if that's what he wanted to be considered as, then that's fine by me. No, that's fine. That's good. I mean, which kind of historic Rangers player would would you count yourself as in the in the Jazz Net world? Oh, that's a bit of a laugh. <laughs> so, um, this will be. I would I would see myself. I never actually saw him play, but given the fact he was he was uh, nicknamed the White Rhino, and at five sides I was one described as a rhino out of bed knobs and broomsticks. I'd probably say John Kitchen Brand. I don't want to, I don't want to build myself up too much for people that you know guys that people might remember. So I'll I'll go from a historical. Uh, you know, more of a historical context when, I, when I'm calling myself anybody, so I'll go for him. John Kitchen Brand, South African. Yeah. Is that it's your it. way of telling us, Stuart, that you're a secret Catholic? That's my, that's, my way, that's my way of telling you that I played pretty much like a white rhino. <laughs> John Kitchen Brand. I mean, I, I've had to Google that to look up some of his stats. 30 appearances for Rangers. And you're hosting the Jersnet podcast. Yeah, I mean, and I knew he was. inquiry. You should know every player intimately. Did they not drag him out uh, when, when Johnson signed for Rangers? Because he, he was. He, he signed for Rangers and he was a Catholic. And the club didn't know that at the time. It was back in the 50s. And so they've done everything to try and hush it up a wee bit. I think actually people within the team, actually, it was more than suspected. I think they actually knew it and never said yeah. anything because it wasn't something that, well, I'm not saying it wouldn't have been welcome. I don't think that they knew even then 
what the kind of uh, fallout of that would be and didn't really want to drop the guy in it. So it was something that was never never talked about. But, uh, right. you know, I, we've, we have come a long way from those days. We have. Mm. It, it might surprise our listeners to hear that Don Kitchen Brand wasn't actually on the agenda this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, he didn't make any effort with it though, did you? You know what I mean? Uh, listen, if, we, if, we had gone, if, we, if we had gone live about four minutes earlier, we were talking about Sunday roast. Yeah. You should have your pork. Yeah. <laughs> and before that, it was Paul Scholes' daughter's toes. So, um, <laughs> a varied conversation for the Jersey boys. Um, we'll, we'll have to move on to, to Rangers and footballing matters and uh, a couple of games for us to discuss. Colin, um, back to league action today after after Ron Bay midweek, which will come on to a little bit later on this afternoon. Um, St Mirren, never the... Uh, prettiest place to go and play football, probably not the prettiest place to go and do, do much in Paisley, but um, they've, they've definitely kind of given us a, a tough game or two over the past couple of seasons, obviously knocking us out of the League Cup last season, um, but some memorable memories from from that place over the last few years. I think it's kind of where Borna Barisic really kick-started his Rangers career. Um, so it's, it's always an interesting fixture with St Mirren, and uh, I think it's probably fair to say that probably the worst starts to a Rangers game we've seen this season. Very, very slow start and uh, that, that led to St Mary taking an early lead with admittedly a, a wonderful strike and, and an excellent goal. Is it fair to say there was a European hangover from, from Thursday night or is there any excuse at all for how badly we started that game today? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's the worst 20 minutes I've seen for Rangers in a, in a long time and, and the bar's been pretty low recently, you know, because we, we haven't been firing in all cylinders. But the way we started that game today was was dreadful. And I actually wondered, I mean, the way that, that, that Jim Goodwin celebrated St Mern's opener, it, it actually crossed my mind that you know, Rangers are only scoring a lot of goals now. And like, I, I, was, I was at a juniors game yesterday and I said to my mate, I'm kind of going into Rangers games at the moment thinking Rangers need to score two to win, at least two to win, because you're almost guaranteed that we're going to concede. And I just wonder if Jim Goodwin sort of said to his players, look, if you get two, it's highly unlikely they're going to get three. You know what I mean? That's and the fact that they got the goal really early on sort of gave them this because I mean he was he was really going off his nuts sort of thing when 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 St. Mum scored. Uh, and I mean the goal. I mean don't get me wrong, great strike for the boy. You, you can't take it away from him. You know it's an absolutely brilliant strike. But the way the goal came about, it was just a sort of comedy errors really. Wasn't it? I, th- I thought Davis's header to Tav wasn't great. I thought he could have either put it to either Goldson. Uh, or Balogun, I think they were in safer positions. Tav's attempted pass to uh, Lundstrom's a, a bit poor. I don't think Lundstrom covers himself in glory either. But after that, the, the boy, you know, he just, it's a ping and a half. I don't think you could point any fingers uh, at McLaughlin in goal because it's it's just an absolute peachy strike. But it is concerning how much we're conceding at the moment. As I said, I'm going into games thinking Rangers need two goals at least because... We always give a chance, and, and at the end of the game, there, you know, St. Mum were down to 10 men, and we can see the corner like the last. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, here we go, you know, it's, it's got to be last Saturday all yeah. over again. So, yeah, terrible start. Uh, I, I mean, overall, I think Rangers done more than enough to win. Again, you know, a bit tighter than I would like it to be. You know, I would like to see a wee routine win every now and again. This, mm-hmm. you know, scraping by week after week. Uh, it's no good for the nerves, especially when you're of a, of a certain age like myself. And I, I just feel we're going to get what we did. We got caught out last week. You know, we've been caught out against Motherwell earlier on this season. 
we need to start putting teams to bed and mm-hmm. and, and that today was you know that, that first 20 25 minutes was uh, was really bad really poor as, as poor as I've seen we recovered and, and we've got the three points and a win's a win at the end of the day but I have gone in the first 20 minutes yeah definitely Stuart we normally actually on the show complain about teams that sit deep and try and defend and, and frustrate Rangers and, and how annoying that is for us as fans to watch uh, as we struggle to break down two banks of defenders essentially St Mirren actually went with an alternative approach and they really seem to be pressing Rangers in the first 20-25 minutes and we, we seem to struggle to cope um, do you think that that may be caught us off guard? Because it's certainly different from the St Mirren approach that we've seen over the last two or three years. Uh, yeah, well, you, you you say that, Ross. I think that St Mirren's mindset is that even though it's going back to you know last season in the League Cup, St Mirren actually know how to beat Rangers, and I don't think they're at, they are that fearful of Rangers. And I think in the build up to this game, even though Rangers have been winning and producing sort of, you know, winning performances. I don't think any of us who've watched the games are terribly convinced by some of those performances. You know, a win is a win and you take the three points or you progress in a cup tie, then all well and good. But I think if you break those uh, performances down and analyse how Rangers have come about, about actually winning these matches, you know, Okay, they'll they'll get pass marks, but they they won't get more than any more than maybe about six out of ten overall. Don't get me wrong; they've played forty five minutes at different times and looked really accomplished. But I think for the most part, they look as if they're just they're just missing something. Um, I think if you look at today's game, I don't think St. Man had anything to fear. I know Colin had said there about. He didn't think McLaughlin could do very much about it. I don't think he could. I, there's a bit of me that says he was he was actually caught out by the guy actually just pinging it so early and taking the chance so early that if you actually watch his feet, his feet don't really move for somebody who's actually making that kind of dive. He actually just almost like dies from the spot to try and save it. So, but again, no criticism because the guy's willing to have a pop from there. There are some things that you, or sometimes you might say, wouldn't it be great if uh, Rangers players had similar confidence in their own uh, ability? But it took Rangers a, a while to get going. I think, I think two things that kind of stood out for me. One is you suddenly realise what a cutting edge um, Rangers have when they have Ryan Kent in the team, and and. I think Rangers are badly missing that. You're just looking for somebody who is is going to take the ball and turn the opposition or have a go at the opposition and force the opposition into a mistake. And I don't think, you know, watching Rangers over the last couple of games, I've, I've, I've felt that. And the other thing I would say is I he was, you know, a player of the year uh, in terms of last season and everything he did. And I would, you know, I'd be loath to write anybody like Stephen Davis off, but I do think he is. He doesn't have the same engine he once had. He doesn't shuttle across the pitch as easily as he once did. He he, for me, takes up the kind of if you like quarterback position, maybe between the two centre half, slightly forward, and makes his passes from there rather than what we saw a couple of years back, maybe even into last season, was actually somebody would go and fetch the ball, drag it back into play and and include others. And I do wonder if there's a, 
how can I put it, a compatibility issue here. It's a bit like when Rangers had Barry Ferguson and Arteta, that you knew the two of them were cracking players and they should be able to play anywhere and at any time and especially play together. But you always felt as if the two of them were actually like, you know, magnets, almost like bouncing off each other. And I think for me, Lundstrom has started to come onto a bit of a game and I just wonder if he's somewhat inhibited by the role he's been asked to play rather than being given that Davis role. Yeah, I think the compatibility issues are really interesting one. Um, and staying with you then, Stuart, on that point, given that Lundstrom and Davis both played 90 minutes, I think played 90 minutes or certainly started the game against Bronby, um, probably more out of necessity because of Glenn Kamara's yeah. suspension. Were you surprised to see Kamara left on the bench today and, and stick with those two in the middle of the park? I think I think Stephen Gerrard's a great judge of one, what he's seen in the previous match and also what he's seen in training. And I don't, you know, it, it's easy for us, you know, to sit and pontificate from the stand or sit in front of a TV and and watch different things and, and, and you know, take a different view of what's happening. I think Stephen Gerrard's up close and he's got enough, you know, enough deputies to be able to have a say in everything that's happening as well. I think... I know I'm a bit. I wasn't surprised as such because you look at guys that are accomplished performers. I think what you're actually seeing is that Rangers are pretty much. I wouldn't say down to the boards, but they are toiling for personnel in key areas. That the, the the long-standing problems or issues with uh, Ross Jack. You've almost. I mean, the amount of people that you speak to about who Rangers might play who have, who have literally forgotten that Ross Jack even exists. That's how long it is that Rangers have been without him. I'm not saying that he's, you know, out of sight, out of mind. It's just that Rangers have had to perform so many key games and big games over a period of time without him. You you tend to forget that he's not one of the options that might actually come back. Yeah. Where Scott, Scott Arfield is, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. He's kind of hit and miss at certain times. He's a great, he's a he's a good guy to bring on later on in a game. But I think you know, I think for his own reasons, Stephen Gerrard will have picked that particular team to take on St. Mirren. and and ultimately he was proved proof correct with whoever it was he started with. I think um, the point that you're making about how people might have forgotten who Ryan Jack is. Uh, it's probably best summed up by the fact that you just called him Ross Jack twice. Ross Jack twice, uh, <laughs> probably. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's Jack. It could have been Jack Ryan or even <laughs> or even Ross or Jack Ross. I mean, Jack as, a, as a as a one, I, 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 I do try. I just showed you how old I am as well. But no, Absolutely. I mean, the, the, I mean, the, the, the thing is that he, for somebody who was a key component part in the the, the Rangers setup, and was yeah. a and was a go to man for him not to be there. I think has given Steven Gerrard a headache over a longer period of time than, you know, and the other thing that's slightly frustrating, and this takes me back in time to somebody else's name, I'll, I'll get right. Um, and Ian Ferguson, when we moved from St. Mirnity Rangers, you know, going back 30 odd years ago now, he was somebody who was great things, um, you know, expected of. And because of a, a whole series of niggling injuries, he must have been at Rangers about three years four years before we saw the best of him. And when he did play, he was virtually, you know, literally we could not, you know, you could not pick a team 
or, or turn up for a, a Rangers game without expecting to see his name on the team sheet. And um, I do hope that this sort of hiatus um, currently is 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 only something that's temporary rather than becoming almost like the norm because you, you, you want to see him back and you want to see him in that midfield. Absolutely. He's definitely, he's, he's a player. Whatever his name is. Whatever his name is. He's a player within <laughs> within Gerard's mould, isn't he? And Gerard's spoken about that, how he, he sees a lot of himself in, in Ryan Jack and... Uh, yeah, whether it's Ryan Jack or Philip Holland or Ryan Kent, um, I think the injuries and the, the absences, even, you know, the, the likes of Yanis Hadji has been missing for, for periods of this season. Those injuries have, it's been so stuttered and so fragmented, our, 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 our starts of the season. It feels like the league season really hasn't quite got going yet, which isn't fair. You know, we're at, we're at the end of October now. Um, Colin, something changed in that game as we approached half an hour. And we'd struggled definitely the first 20, 25 minutes, as, as we've said, and we were very, very poor. But from 25, 30 minutes onwards, something changed. Rangers grew into the game. Rangers became dominant, ultimately scored two goals before half time, which, which took us to the win. But can you put your finger on whether it was tactical or mental? What, what was it that, that turned that game today? I mean, I mean, a lot of people uh, who are not friends of the club would, would probably say that the, the penalty changed the game. But I felt we'd been coming into it before that you know what yeah. I mean we, we, we'd really started to push there'd been a series of corners Connor Goldson had, had two or three efforts from corner kicks that, that Anik had saved so no I think it'd been coming I, I, I just think I also think that Murn couldn't I mean they really came out the, 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 the sort of blocks flying it, it was hard to imagine them maintaining that level of sort of tempo for a long period and it's maybe just a case that the game just naturally settled down and once it did Rangers were then able to sort of you know, start to dominate the ball and, and, and start to create things. Uh, so, yeah, I, th- I think it's just a sort of combination of that. I, I, I don't think, I mean, don't get me wrong, the penalty is important. You know, there's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and, and I thought Ruth took it well. It was, it was a splendid penalty. You know, mm. the fact that Annex went the right way uh, and he still no really got much of a chance again. It says everything you need. And I hate, the thing is, I hate these stuttered run-ups that he does. You know, he starts and then he goes wide and he does a wee sort of quick step. I just, I just hate those run-ups, but a brilliant penalty kick. And uh, you, you felt the momentum was definitely with Rangers at that point. And, and I, I, I don't want to be all negative, right? And, you know, I've, I've spoke about how poor we were in the first 20, 25 minutes and how I know that we were hanging on, but it was it was, it was was disappointing towards the end, especially when you were considered we were playing against 10 men. We weren't further up the park at times. We couldn't control the ball. You know, we couldn't control dominant uh, sort of possession. It, it seemed to be bouncing off us and it was St Murn that was coming at us. But there was a middle period in the game where I felt Rangers looked very good, very confident. I think we deserved to win the day. The biggest frustration for me is that it, it wasn't by more. You know, that, again, I, th- I think it was 23 chances last week we created against Hearts, one goal. I think I saw, was it 19 chances we created today? Yeah. You know, two goals. It's... When, there's two things Rangers need to do. They need to increase their conversion. They need to increase the amount of goals that they're scoring. And they need to stop letting goals in at the back. And then they start doing that. Then the routine victories that we're all looking for. You know what I mean? We're into October and it feels like every week it's 1-9, 2-1, sweating the last 10, 15 minutes, you know, thinking, hoping that you're going to get through these games. And the thing that worries me is we've not really been to a... You know, one of your top six. Other than, I mean, Dungeon United are flying now, so we've, we've been to Tannadice, but you know, we've not been to Easter Road, we've not been to Tynecastle, we've not been to Celtic Park. You know, places where we'll get a real stiff test. Uh, so yeah, I would, I would just like to see us starting to put teams to bed, getting some more routine victories, 
uh, and and that will set us up for for, for bigger and better uh, or bigger and tougher venues that we're going to face in the future. But in terms of today, uh, you have to give them credit. You know they were they really were up against it that first twenty twenty five minutes. You can criticise them for that; they've not started well at all. But they turned it round, uh, and I, I think they deserve the three points. Yeah, um, Colin, same with yourself on that penalty. Um, I think. It seems to be the way with, with, with Rangers at the moment and, and the media that there will be a maybe 12 to 24 hour break whilst the media decides if they want to generate some controversy around to, uh, the incidents of the game. And, and you can kind of feel that one or two people might be teeing up to argue that that penalty shouldn't have been given, either that Hadji dived or that it was actually outside of the box. Um from your perspective, anything anything wrong with the awarding of that penalty? No, absolutely not. And I, I, I've oh. said this, I've said this before. You know this this manufactured controversy with every it's it, it is literally every week now. You know you had the Dundee one a few weeks ago. Uh, uh, you had last week. What was the one at Hearts last week? There was one at Hearts last week. They were all kicking off. It was the Aribo. Aribo should have been sent off. That's you know after the game that. You know, Rebo should have been sent off. Michael Stewart was was doing his usual nonsense on Twitter. You know, it's just there was a Hibs one with Portis. I mean, these are every decision, every every big decision in a Rangers game I've seen this season. I would have to say that the referees have, have got them right. Uh, I, I don't think McLaughlin should have been sent off at Dens Park. Dundee got the penalty and missed it. That's the way the cookie crumbles. I think Portis should have been sent off. I thought it was a shocking challenge. Uh, last week, I don't think Aribo should have been sent off. I think this, you know, the one today, that's a definite penalty. You know, and it takes a lot for Andy Walker to admit that it's a penalty. Uh, I think initially he was trying to, oh, it looked a bit tight, you know, it was outside the box. But when you see the replay, he's, he's, he's a good half yard in the box and just his momentum takes him outside. In terms of the contact, the boy power, I, I think Chris Boyd was right. I think, I think it was power that gave the ball away earlier on and I think he's trying to, you know, make make amends for his error and, and win the ball back. And he gets it wrong and he brings him down. It's not that about it. There shouldn't be any controversy about this. And the thing that annoys me is it's just our games. You know, when you when you think about the, the, the penalty award that Dungeon United didn't get at Celtic Park a couple of weeks ago, that was a blatant penalty. Uh, should have been sending off as well. And it gets like two minutes discussion on sports scene and then, you know, they, they agree, yeah, it was a penalty, yeah, it should have been a red card move on. There's no, like... You know, reaction on social media from from certain individuals. There's no two or three days worth of of press controversy, and 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 my worry is all this builds up into referees' minds. So as they're going into games, when it comes to key decisions, you know, it might be that well, you know, they never went for them a couple of weeks ago, so I'll, I'll, I'll go the other way this time. So it's boring. I've I've said this two or three times already this season. It is boring. This desire to manufacture some form of controversy when it comes to decisions in Rangers games. And, I mean, there was another one later on. I think it was in the... No, it was it was sort of late on in the, the first half. And I think I think it might have been Hadji. It was on the touchline. And he's, like, he's hooked. He's lying on the ground on the touchline and he's hooked the ball clear. But after he's hooked it, he's caught the player and the players went down. But, I mean, he's won the ball. It's, I mean, it's never a penalty. And that whole... I mean, St. Murn fans, they are not in anyway, right? They're the most moaning face shower of shite you can ever imagine. Everything's boo and oh, anger over oh, getting beaten, we hate the Rangers and all that nonsense, right? And the whole stadium's claiming for a penalty when it's not even close to a penalty kick. 
You know what I mean? And another thing that will not be mentioned today, but St. Murn fan run on the park after their goal. You know what I mean? And his own player punched him apparently and dragged him off. You know what I mean? Again, if that was a Rangers supporter coming on, that would be that would be food and drink to certain individuals, and it would be mm-hmm. uh, it would be all over the media. But as, as it stands, it wasn't even mentioned on, on the coverage today, and I doubt we'll see anything from your sort of mainstream media for the rest of this week. For no, we won't. And uh, I, I hate. I hate being one of these guys who goes, imagine if it was Rangers that did this, or imagine it was Morelos, or imagine it was a Rangers fan, or, or, or whatever. But this boy, you know, he, St. scored a goal. This boy manages to get onto the park. He runs 40 yards, runs very slowly, because he's clearly not uh, in, in the best you, you, Would you say a young boy? He looked, he looked a middle-aged man. When right. I said, he, looked, he looked sort of 35 to 40. So he runs 40 yards via the Rangers fans, so he can have a wee celebrate in front of the Rangers fans. Gets 40 yards over to where his players have now stopped celebrating because it took him so long to get there. One of his own players literally decks him. <laughs> he, then, he then gets up and walks back to the to the, the stand that he come from. So another 40 yards back the other way. And he's only actually apprehended when he climbs back over the barrier and back to his seat. Well, he never allowed him to go all that way. But, um, I, I hope, you know, he's, he's, he's got to go onto the park to celebrate a goal. He's been... You know, presumably now banned from that stadium and his team lost. That is but, a, but he was only huckled because he was saying his feet can Exactly. Exactly. So they couldn't tell if it was duh, 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 or something else. But, but, Bros, you're saying there that you hate being one of those Rangers fans that say, imagine it was, uh, you know, Morelos. Imagine that was a Rangers fan. Imagine that was a Rangers director who tweeted things about this, mm-hmm. that, and the next thing. Yeah, I, I hate being that Rangers fan. But the, the, you're left with no other place to go. Yeah. Because the, the stuff that comes out of some individuals in, in the media is so ridiculous. Yeah. That you, you, you are left with no other place to go with. I don't like being that Rangers fan, but yeah. I, I don't feel like I've got anywhere else to go with it because some of the nonsense that comes out for them is ridiculous. I mean, Michael Stewart now, I mean, his, his job title must just be professional Ranger skater. Yeah. You know I mean, that, 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 that's what he does for a living. That's what he's Twitter. I mean, he went a bit quiet after the whole... Uh, Gene uh, Johansson and stuff, you know, when he he, yeah. he made an absolute arse of himself. I I don't know if he was told to stay quiet or if he, he just thought, right, I'll back out for a wee bit. But the first time he came back, it was to do with Angels, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it was the Porteous thing, he was right back in on that. Uh, you know, he, he was tweeting last week about Joe Aribo, and it's just like, it's, it's every week. Mm-hmm. It's every week. So that that's why people like me say, well, what if what that was Morelos? What if that was a Rangers player? What if that was a Rangers supporter? Because when similar incidents happen with other clubs and other supporters, these people are quiet. They don't say a thing. Yeah, there was, a, there was an excellent story in the Scottish media this week uh, where the headline was along the lines of uh, this geezer was up in court accused of assaulting a police officer on the day of the Rangers title celebrations. Um, and so you, immediately, right, so a Rangers fan, he's at the Rangers title celebrations, he's in George Square, and he's, he's obviously decked a policeman. And you read the article, and it's about four-fifths of the way down, there's a quote from the guy's defence barrister saying, we acknowledge that the police that day were stretched because they were dealing with incidents in George Square from Rangers title celebrations. Yeah. We stress that our client was in no way related to the title celebrations and is not a Rangers fan. Go, but, but Rangers are in the headline there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, and that's that's the issue. That's why you, you feel that you have no choice but to say... Well, you, you, had the, you, had, you had the issue with Charlie Adams' brother a few weeks ago there. Yeah. You know, he's went to jail. Ex-Rangers player. 
zero, zero appearances for Rangers, ex-Rangers mm-hmm. player jailed. You know what I mean? It's that kind of stuff. And there was a whole thing as well. There was a Celtic supporter stabbed uh, in, 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 I think it was around about the Merchant City. And it was, you know, on the day of the Old Firm game, everything about the headline implied it was linked to Old Firm violence and a Rangers fan was involved. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the guy that done it was a Celtic fan. You know what I mean? So it was, it was two Celtic fans fighting. And it's just that whole thing, you know, and, you know, you the likes of Spears and Stewart and all the rest of it would probably turn and say, oh, here we are, typical Rangers fan, paranoid, everybody's against us, all that kind of stuff. But it's it's hard not to form that opinion mm-hmm. based on what you see and read. Yeah, and when Anthony Stokes was was done a few years ago, he was ex-Arsenal ace, Anthony yeah, Stokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah excellent. Um, Stuart, to bring this back before Colin spontaneously combusts in rage at the media, um, 100 goals for Alfredo Morelos. He, he, he got his 100th today. Um, I have to say, a, a lovely move, fabulous ball in from, from Tavernier. I think the defender from St Mirren made a bit of an arse of it and, and Morelos was left with a, a fairly easy tap-in. Um, it's it's obviously difficult to quantify any more than than, than the hundred goals that the impact that Morelos has had for this club and uh, there's lots of articles now about about how he how he got there. But do you think it's fair to say that his form has dipped at the start of the season? Has he maybe had number one hundred on his mind? Do you think that there was some relief in his celebration today? Um, what do you think it, it means for Morelos to get to number one hundred? Um, uh... Yeah, it was a, it's an amazing achievement. Um, it's an amazing achievement considering that you still think of him as a relatively new arrival at Rangers. It doesn't seem that long ago since Rangers were signing this guy and he was there was great things promised of him. And he's, I mean, he's, he's, his goals per game ratio is, is pretty damn good. Although, interestingly enough, I mean, to hear that Roof had scored his 25th goal in 50 appearances for Rangers today was also pretty, you know, pretty decent, uh, a, a pretty decent return on what he's achieved. And as for his run-up, the stuttering start, the going one way, the going another. You know, who, you know how girls felt in the dance floor column when they saw you approaching, full of apprehension and, and fear. But, um, no, I, I think Morelos, he's almost a victim of his own success. Um, although there's a bit of me that even though he's got a great track record I am still not convinced that he's as good as what some people think he is I still think in a one-on-one situation his return rate is, isn't the best um, I think actually he scored today's goal and I, uh, I, I quoted it on Twitter it was almost McCoy's desk he didn't have a chance to think about it it was almost like spontaneous reaction that suddenly the ball appeared and he put it in the net. I think sometimes when he's got too much time to conjure up what he might do or what he's trying to do, then he he doesn't come up with the with the goods. But uh, uh, you know, a great acquisition at the time. I think if you're fearful of scoring your hundredth goal for Rangers, then for me, you're not looking forward to scoring your two hundredth goal for Rangers. You know, what I mean, I think if. You know, nobody ever put a figure on how many goals, say, Ali McCoyce has scored or Jelovic had scored. They were still looking to just keep scoring goals. And I, and I, I don't really buy into that one. The other thing, that I can just come back to touch upon the penalty that was scored. The, I mean, Roof, it was a fantastic penalty that he took. I was interested to see him taking the penalty and not Tavernier taking the penalty. And it, oh, it brought, brought into my mind the... The whole thing about the um, 
the confidence levels within some players. If you've missed a penalty and your confidence level is high, you want to pick up the ball again and have another go at it. Simply because that's what you do. It's your job as captain, or maybe not your job as captain, but you're the designated penalty taker for Rangers, and therefore you should be taking the penalties. The fact that Ruth picked it up and took it said something to me about the confidence level within one or two players, and maybe particularly in today's game. In midweek, we'll touch upon that soon. In midweek, I thought Rangers were very confident from the off. You guys taking, you know, possession of the ball. You guys working with the ball, you guys making great runs. And I thought the first half performance, uh, uh, you know, against uh, Bromby was, was really good because the confidence seemed to be there. Look at Aribo's performance in the first half. Whereas today, he seemed to be laying off too many square balls. And then when he made a pass forward, didn't join up into the into the move or into the attack with it. And I, I, and I think a lot of that is doing to do with, with, with confidence. For Morelos, his confidence level should be rocketing skywards scoring that amount of goals and I think somebody needs to just sit down with him maybe even probably the best guy um, being Defoe uh, when he's not summarising on Sky Sports just to say do you realise how good it is to be scoring goals at any time make the most of it I, I'm still I am still unconvinced by these he scores goals and I, I know and I, I, you know, I, I love players who score goals and then celebrate if it's their first goal ever I don't get this frown and this, you know, look as if he wants to, you know, beat somebody up. I don't get that look, that expression. I want to see guys, you know, McCoy, Dalglish, um, you know, Alan Shearer, all these guys who scored goals and made it look as if they're, you know, their first it was their first goal ever. Never mind their two hundred or three hundredth goal. And I, and I just sometimes think if he played, you know, play, the, the phrase playing with a smile on your face does not apply to him. And I, and I don't know whether it's a, an attitude problem or whether he's, he thinks he's got some sort of persona to carry on, but it doesn't do, doesn't do anything for him in my eyes. Um, but nevertheless, a, a fantastic servant and a fantastic goal scorer. It's interesting you talk about confidence because there's, there's so many confidence players in, in our squads, whether that is Morelos, Aribo, I think Barisic is one of the worst for that. Um but yeah, I mean, it, it, there's there's no reason for his confidence to be low now, and 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 whether he did have that 100 number kind of hanging over him, um, is probably a quite a fitting way for him to be stood a yard and a half out from the goal and and, and just knock it in with his head. Stuart, as we come into the second half, um, my notes for this game are very very slim, um, and I think that's a, a polite way of saying absolutely nothing happened really in that in that second half. Um, very very quiet. Are we going to be optimistic and positive and say that that was good game management from Rangers or are we going to be critical and say that we still cannot find ways to kill off teams? I, I think, I, you know, again, it was difficult for Rangers at the start and as Colin alluded to earlier on there, there was a bit in the middle actually where Rangers played some, some decent football. For once, in a great many, maybe weeks or months, even when they were up on the clock or up the board that there were seven minutes of stoppage time, I I wasn't fearful at all in that period. I honestly thought that Rangers were playing well within themselves. They'd almost got it into their heads, finally, that St Mirren did a lot of huffing and puffing without being too much of a, a, a threat in the, in, in the penalty box or in the final third, and that they had scored a goal which was something of a bit of a worldie, and Rangers could actually, you know, 
close the game down. I thought that that was, in terms of game management-wise, Rangers did actually did all okay um, and, and didn't seem to panic or didn't seem too fearful going into the closing stages, whereas we've all seen it you know, before. All of a sudden, it's like the ball comes into the box, it's hoofed 40 yards, there's either nobody there or nobody chasing up and nobody pressing. Um, so to that end, I was I was I was fine with how Rangers actually closed out the game to take take the points. And ultimately, I don't think anybody's going to be worried too much in terms of the headlines or in terms of the history books, looking at it from you know a distance and maybe even a matter of months, never mind a matter of years. You're going to look at two one win, three points for Rangers, Morales hundredth goal, job done. Yeah. Colin, I know that you are not best pleased with some of Gerard's comments after the game where, you know, along the lines of we knew we weren't going to score another one, so we decided to shut up shop. Um, what, what do you think about this game management or or should we have gone on and tried to... They were down to 10 men as well for 15 minutes. Yeah. Have they really been a bit more clinical? Yeah, I mean, I just feel... I mean, I mentioned it in last week's show, you know, when, you know, in the first half last week, you know, the formation, I'm not quite sure because I wasn't at the game today because I watched it on the TV. It's kind of hard sometimes to see how teams are, are setting up in terms of the formation. But last week, you know, Jenner seems to be going with this, uh, this 4-2-3-1 formation, you know, with the two holding sitting midfielders. And very early on in the second half, it, it went for that to 4-3-2-1. And that felt like a, a, a sort of a negative move, you know, as if, right, okay, we're one on up, just hold on to this. And I was talking, we sort of talked, we discussed that last week and last week's show, and today, in the, in the sort of closing stages, I thought when Arfield come on, I always think when Arfield comes on in any game, you think there's a, he's got a goal on him. You know, he does that quite a lot. He comes on and, and gets a goal. I don't, I don't think he even got a chance, you know. And we, we did look, uh, so what I'm looking for, uh, like we lacked ambition, you know. Like we we really didn't want it. We were quite happy to take the two one and go for it, and and take the three points. And part of you wonders as well is that the coach or is or is it the players just up on a you know a wee bit nervy? But he's comments after the game. You know, he, he did sort of say, you know, I didn't think we were going to get the third, so we made the change and just sort of shut up short. And I just I don't know. I I just wonder if this season there is just a. A wee lack of ambition. I don't know. I don't know what's because it's it's not like Stephen Gerrard. You know, he has a, a manager that's tried to play you know attacking football and, and entertaining football, and and it's worked. You know, I mean, he's last season especially. You know, the two fullbacks bombing forward, getting goals from all over the park, and I don't know. I don't know what's sort of sparked us, but it, it does seem that we're just a wee bit lacking in ambition at times and and maybe that's why we're not killing games off, you know, if we're one one up, we're two one up, you know, instead of saying in 85 minutes or 87 minutes saying, right, okay, that's it, we're not going to get the third, let's just try and shut up shop. You know, it's happening with maybe 10, 15 minutes to go and the fact that they were down to 10 for the last, well, certainly, I mean, what was there, seven, eight minutes of injury time today? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're talking maybe the last 10, 12 minutes of the game, they were down to 10. I don't think we created anything in that 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 that, that phase of the game, and I I find that a wee bit disappointing. I must admit, if you if you're two one up and you're wanting to just put a game to bed, by the way, the goal difference is going to kick in at some point as well. So you're looking in to improve your goal difference. So I, I just found it quite frustrating. My, my son made a comment towards the end of the game. Uh, oh, can we not just you know get hold of this ball and, and keep possession for a wee bit? I had to remind them that they were down to ten men at that point. 
You know, and he was like, Christ, I forgot about that. I said, they're down to 10 men and they're the team that are pushing, they're the team that are holding on to the ball. And when the ball went out for that corner and like the last minute of injury time, I was just like, oh, here we go. You know what I mean? So it just feels like, you know, I think every Rangers supporter will feel that every game they now is, you know, with the end it, you've got no nails left to bite, you know, because it's, it's, it's just one goal wins and holding on a wee bit towards the end. Uh, I would just like to see routine wins coming back into the, the, the equation. And I think if we were just a wee bit more adventurous at times, uh, we'd maybe do that. But that said, I mean, everyone talks, I've been thinking about this over the last week or so, everyone talks about last season being our most important title win, you know, stop Celtics 10 to get our first since 2012 and everything that happened then. And there's no doubt about it, that's a monumental title and it's an important title. But maybe from a business perspective, this season's the most important, you know, because if we win the title, go straight into the group stages of the Champions League and all the investment that, you know, the board have put in, the books are, 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 are balanced and, you know, there's a huge amount of injection of capital coming into the club because of the Champions League. Maybe the Malmo game is just, just that, put a wee bit of fear into, you know, everyone connected with the club, coaching staff, the board, I don't know. But there, there does seem to be a one's enough kind of attitude, if you know what I mean. If I've got the three points in the bag, that's enough. And as a as a Ranger supporter approaching his fifties, who maybe doesn't have the best diet and lifestyle, I'd, I'd rather my heart didn't go through the, the the sort of trauma that it's having to go through on a weekly basis at the moment. Yeah, that's interesting. It does seem to be a departure. Uh, Stuart, you're on uh, you're on mute there. Well, again, I'm not. Um, it was interesting to hear what you were saying there about biting, about biting nails because Paul Scholes doesn't really have that 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 trouble. And maybe maybe we could all take a leave from him, or maybe not. Uh, so it was a bad time to use that analogy, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely shocking. By the way, if anyone's not seen the video as to the reasons why we're referencing Paul Scholes quite a lot don't, today. Don't, don't even look at it. No, don't. It's horrible. Absolutely awful. Um, I, we've all, I can't believe we've, we've already kind of gone for 40, 45 minutes. We're going to have to move on and talk about the Bromby game uh, from midweek. So Stuart, uh, Bromby came to, to Ibrox. Definitely going to be the, well, on paper, the easiest tie that we'd have in this in the Europa League group at home against the, the, the team seeded fourth. Um, and given how poorly we've started this European group stage campaign, it was a, a very, very important tie. Um, I think it's fair to say we were much improved compared to how we were against Bra- uh, Prague and against Leon. What did you make of the performance on Thursday? I, I, I think the, the game against Leon, that could, you know, I would say that result could happen. I think the the you know the performance in Prague left a lot to be desired. Um, I think. You know, you say that Bromby's easy. I mean, this is a, a club that's contested, you know, Champions League matches in the not too dim and distant past as well. So they have a, a, a pretty decent history in terms of European competition, maybe not re- result-wise, but they've been, you know, they've turned up a hell of a lot of times. And I think you've got to give them credit for that. What I would say is, um, and I go back to my um, back of a postage stamp, sort of summary of... of these kind of games but for the width of the bar and the width of the post Rangers would have won that game handsomely I thought there was a real a really high confidence level from the off that Rangers not just they had to win that game I think Rangers knew they could win it and win it well and 
really bossed the game against uh, against Bromby. Don't get me wrong, they had a Bromby have a couple of players in there that I think if you know I was a scout, I would be paying particular attention to one or two of them, um, just to find out you know age wise when they might move, when they 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 um they might go um you know. Are they looking to leave? Are they affordable? That kind of thing. I thought there were one or two players in that team that actually looked looked pretty decent. But all in all, it was it was a it was job done. I think now we're going to see, and given the, the the first two results, Rangers are left in a position where you you end playing your last four matches, literally looking for four victories out of four games. Well, you know, Thursday night was a start. Um, they're going to come bigger and tougher again uh, in the next couple of weeks, and here's hoping that they, they can, you know, use that that victory as a as a springboard onto bigger and better things. Yeah, I think it's a really important tie in terms of the context of the the group as a whole. Um, Colin, we in Scotland, the VAR discussion is is heating up a little bit in terms of being introduced domestically, but we've now been used to it in the European context for two or three seasons. Um, notably, there was a, a VAR incident against Leverkusen, uh, the awarding of, of, of that penalty after the ball had uh, struck George Edmondson on the hand, if I remember correctly. We had two interesting uses of, of VAR in this tie. Firstly, the the, the Kamar Roof goal, which um, Stephen Cragen is still thinking about, <laughs> yeah. uh, and the, the Joe Aribo non-penalty incident. Um in in my opinion, one that VAR got right and shows the actual value of, of VAR. Um, because I think first glance, anyone looking at that Kamar Roof incident is is convinced that he's a mile offside. Um, and then the the less clear side of VAR, which brings in a little bit of trepidation. How did you view those two incidents? I mean, again, the, the first one, where my seat is in the, the governor year, it was it was hard to see. You, you know, I'm I'm at the other end of the ground, really. I'm I'm sort of towards the other penalty box, so it was hard to see. One thing I will say is, is the, the flag went up fairly quick, so the celebrations where we were were fairly muted. Uh, but when you see it again, aye, it's there's, there's there's no doubt about it. It's tight. It's I mean, it's tighter than two coats of paint, as they say. But uh, yeah, it, it shows that. I mean, I, I'm I mean, I'm a big critic of VAR, but I do think it's improved. Especially down the road, you know, I think the way they used it a couple of seasons ago was farcical. But I'm still not a fan, and I'm not looking forward to it coming up here at all. I mean, imagine if that was Rangers scoring against Celtic, and that VAR decision goes in our favour, and we win an old firm game eh, or a Glasgow derby or whatever you want to call it eh, in the last minute. I mean, can you imagine the meltdown? Can you imagine Stephen Craig in that situation? I mean, so I'm I'm not looking forward to it coming up here, but it, it, but it got that one right. But it also showed that it, it's not perfect because I didn't need VAR <laughs> to see that the Joe Rebo one was a, was a stonewall penalty. And when I got home and sort of rewatched the game, it, it just confirmed, uh, you know, that, that it was right. And how it never picked that up is, is beyond me. Uh, but I mean, Stephen Craig and uh, how, how he performed that night and his, his co-coms was, was quite embarrassing, actually. You know, he, he, it was, he called it a... A horrendous decision once, once yeah. and then when they put the lines in all of a sudden he was like oh, uh, oh and then the next again day he starts tweeting going actually I still think it was offside so yeah. it kind of it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier on but in, in terms of VAR itself 
it's not perfect, you know what I mean? And part of me does. Another thing I, I felt it done is it, it killed the celebration for that second goal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So everybody got up and then it kills it. And then when, you know, like three or four minutes later when Far makes the decision and the goal's awarded, the moment's kind of gone. And all right, we celebrate, but it wasn't the, the, the same as it was. And I thought Ibrox was, I thought the support was a bit poor on Thursday night, if I'm being honest. You know, like 10 minutes to go, people were leaving. And, you know, it's the, it's the first win in the group this season. I know it's been a, it's been a poor start to the season. And in Europe, we've, we've not reached the same heights. That's probably the time supporters should be getting behind them and trying and getting them over the line. You know, that, that I, I would think that Steven Gerrard, with, with 10 minutes to go watching the stands emptying on Thursday night, would think, well, wait a minute here. You know what I mean? I've, I've given you these victories against Porto, Feyenoord. I've got you to the last 16, the last two years. All right, it's been a bit bumpy of late, but on a night when we get our first win uh, in the group stages, I've disappeared, or a fair amount of you have disappeared by sort of eight, eighty-five minutes. So yeah, pretty poor, I thought. I was I was watching at, at, at the um, at the time when the second goal went in. I actually thought it was a goal. And there was people sort of jump up next to me and and putting their heads in their hands, and I was I was like, that that, that was a goal, um, and they were more convinced because the linesman had signalled it and, it and it looked tight. But from even from where I was sitting, and I have a son who will verify this. I thought um, I, I was saying I thought that was that was that goal was that goal was fine. What I did like though when that goal was scored was the way it, it suddenly went from no goal to suddenly we'll need to have a look at this and it was the fourth official ambling up the kind of tunnel maybe we'd inside to have a wee look at the television monitor and thought actually I'll just go and try and attract this guy in the middle no. and it's like can you come over here I think you should come over here and have a wee look at this and 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 you know again I just think VAR kills when you when you've got guys now scoring goals and looking at the linesman and looking at the referee to see what gestures they're making, whether they're going to refer it or not, it just takes that element of yeah, yeah. joy out of the game. Um, I mean, you'll take it if it gives you a goal, but again, equally, it's it, it, it can be a bit of a a bit of a killjoy. But uh, all in all, I thought that that Thursday was a was a, a half decent performance. And again, yeah. right at the said, I don't understand people who leave early. What yeah. to, to run it in a JLS concert? Yeah, good one. Yeah, I, I mean, I could, I could go all night about the subway loyal. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't get it at all, and you're saving yourself ten minutes, really. Yeah. Um, but you, but would, then, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that in any. See if you went to the cinema, no. you wouldn't, you wouldn't leave ten minutes early. Oh, well, I'll no bother watching the ending because you know I've got, I've got my subway to catch, I've got a bus to catch. You wouldn't do that. No, but I'm uh, maybe my perspective is that I get up to a game probably once a month, so I get to see what one in one in four, one in five Rangers games. Uh, I'll I'll I want to see every every minute of it. Um, I still haven't heard. There's always going to be you know people with with unique circumstances that I need to get this bus, I need to get this ferry back over or whatever it is, if I don't get here by a certain time, then something will happen, but not a quarter of the stadium. No, no, no. No, but that's uh, that's probably a, a debate for another day. Um, 
Gents, we'll, we'll, just in the last few minutes of the show, there's a couple of news items that I'd like to, to move on to. Colin, we'll start with yourself on, uh, on, on Connor Goldson. Gerard's come out in the week pretty much saying that there's not much more that he can do in the talks for Connor Goldson to get a new contract. Um, I think we all kind of expect that a deal has been on the table for Goldson for quite a long time now. He's moving towards the last six months of his, his, his existing deal. Um, very senior player within the squad, captain of the team whilst Tavernier was injured at the team end of last season. Um, and it, we're starting to get the impression that there's not going to be any movement from the player and his agent on this and, and we don't really know what they are looking for. Where does this leave us as we approach January? Other clubs will be able to talk to him for nothing um, and he'll, he'll walk away at the end of the season. Is there anything that the club could or should be doing? Or, or what's your view on this? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you could level that accusation that the club have, have, have missed the boat on, on this one. Uh, however, I always feel, especially when players get to a certain age, you know, they're looking for one final sort of payoff and, and, and big deal. My own view is, has, experience tells me if a player gets to this stage of his contract, he's not he's not going to stay. You know, he's 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 obviously got plans. It wouldn't surprise me if he's already had talks with uh, various clubs. It looks to me like he wants to go back down south and, and give it a crack back down there. Which is his prerogative. You know, it's his career and all the rest of it. It does frustrate me a wee bit. And I'm not having a go at Conor Golson, but I, I do think, you know, clubs... The whole Bosman thing is... I can understand why it came in. And, and, and I mean, in that case... And the impact that it had on the individual. I don't know if you've seen the documentary about the guy Bosman, but I mean, he, he, he became like a manic depressive and all that, like an alcoholic and all that in the back of that. It took a, a lot out on that whole case. But I think it's fairer on players. I get it, but sometimes it can just be too fair. That said, we've benefited from it as well. You know what I mean? We've, we've had quite a few players in of late through that, through that uh, particular avenue. So yeah, it's one of those. And I just think, Look, he's, he's, don't get me wrong, he's he's had mistakes in his game at various points. Last season, a total rock, an absolute rock last season. He was there when we you know, we won that 55th title. I'll always be remembered. I'll always be thankful for the contribution he's made to the club. But it feels to me that he's, he's not going to be here next season and we, we need to get used to uh, life without him at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Stuart, I think in, in, in circumstances like this, the clubs, not just Rangers, but the, the club who is unable to tie the player down tends to get criticised because Conor Goldson is a senior, I say, senior member of the squad, experienced player, um, and on the face of it, we lose him for for nothing, and we need to re- that's a body we need to replace. Now, obviously, that's not quite true because Conor Goldson will be one of our top earners, and and that's that's money off the wage bill. Um, but like I say, a lot of the time, criticism is levelled at, at the club that loses the player. How do you view a situation like this when? It appears the player doesn't have any intention of actually signing a new deal. Yeah, I think I think you've answered that one for me there, Ross. I mean, it's, it's really easy to to criticise and say Rangers should have done more. If the guy's sitting there or his agents sitting there and saying we'll, we'll go through the motions, but ultimately I don't really want to be here, or it could be actually turning around and saying I don't want the deal that you're giving me. Um, uh, what age is he? Twenty nine. Twenty. Yeah, he's about, he's about that, yeah. 29. If Rangers are sitting there saying, we want to give you a two-year deal, and he's saying, I'm a pretty fit guy, I want a four-year deal, who's it going to benefit if 
he doesn't get the deal that he wants, is it really going to benefit Rangers or do Rangers have somebody else in mind that they want to bring in that position? Or do you play real hard ball and say, by the way, um, if, if you're not going to sign for us, we'll sell you in the January transfer window and we'll sell you to whoever we, we want to sell you to and you're gone. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think, I, I don't think that's a situation that Conor Goldson really wants to find himself in because ultimately he might be looking for some employment somewhere down the line in 10 years' time and hosting some hospitality boxes as a, a, a Rangers, you know, a successful Rangers championship winning player might do him a, a, a wee turn or the world of good. I, I think I think he looks, he looks like a kind of guy who likes being a Rangers player. He doesn't get... He, he, it doesn't sort of exude the, the, how can I put it, the body language of somebody who's just gone through the motions to earn a wage and just do a job. He looks as if he's actually somebody who still wants to play for Rangers. And, you know, who knows what might happen. Again, we we guess, unless you know the guy, you know, up close and intimately, you're not going to really know the ins and outs of these tales. It could be, that his family have said it's time you you know time we went back to the south coast. It's time we went here. We're we've never actually been happy here. The amount of times that happens with players, and it's nothing to do with the players. Absolutely nothing to do with the players. You know, I, I I've I've spoken to enough Rangers players in the past who have arrived at Ibrox, whose wives, if it been left up to them, they'd have been nowhere near Scotland, let alone Glasgow, let alone Ibrox. You know. Or you, you had at least one wife who said, well, you're signed for that team. I quite like the other team in the green and white. You know what I mean? It's, it's almost like if you can keep your family out of the equation, then, you know, it, it might work might work out better for you in the long run. But but that's pressure in itself. And I and I do not buy into this. Or, you you know, or your, your, um, you're probably listen to your family. It's your career. You're the player and all the rest of it. Absolute bollocks. You, you don't know what pressure these guys are coming under. And the also thing is, you don't know how precious people's families are to them. Um, you know, you wouldn't like somebody suddenly turning around to you and saying, give up your job, it'll be better for your family, or move here and everywhere for it, it'll be better for your family. People people out in the street or in the, the stands at Irox wouldn't like to be told that or given that ultimatum. And the same exact same applies to the players. Do, do I hope that Goldson stays? Probably, yeah. But if he goes, listen, Rangers have lost better players than him in the past. Yeah, and I, I think the angle of the family is is so important. Um, we don't know if he has kids or I, I don't know his personal circumstances and that, but I mean, I, I guess I can't believe we're back here. But as Paul Scholes demonstrates, some players would do anything for their, their wife and kids. So if that's <laughs> if that's what it is, then... No amount of money is, is going to stop. I've, I've got a taxi just come to my own house to take me away from that last line. <laughs> I've, been, I've been desperate to try and work all schools back in for the last 20 minutes. Honestly, it's shocking. Um, Colin, I don't know how we're going to get Paul schools into this, but the last thing I want to talk about today is um, the St. Mirren chairman um, has had a, a rough couple of days, I think. Uh, a chap called John Needham, who uh, it, it's been discovered that there's some. I was going to say historic tweets, but not even particularly historic tweets um, that were derogatory. Let's say, um, arguably sectarian. Actually, no, not not arguably. There's plenty mm-hmm. of there's plenty of Sevcos. There's some 
references to Ranger fans as, as Huns, and, and and that's not arguably sectarian, that is sectarian. Um, and one uh, particularly troubling tweet where, you know, talking about hoping that the Squinty Bridge collapses when all the Rangers fans were celebrating at the end of last season. So uh, not arguably sectarian, sectarian tweets about Rangers fans, about wanting Rangers fans to drown en masse. Um, now, he's deleted all of those tweets. He's this evening tweeted a, an apology. Um, he holds himself to a higher standard. That's not who he is as, a, as an individual. Uh, apologies to Rangers and apologies to St Mirren. Um, now, again, without getting sucked down the line of, can you imagine if that was a, a, um, a Rangers director or Douglas Park had tweeted something about another club's fans in that, in that manner? Um, where do you even start? With something like this, this just demonstrates surely the the amount of ill feeling towards our club within Scottish football, doesn't it? Well, you don't even have to go down the road of uh, can you imagine? You, there's there's, a, there's an example, you know, heart in hand. And don't get me wrong. Uh, there was three. There was obviously David Edgar, and there was a couple of others involved. Now, some of the tweets from a couple of other guys were were were, were indefensible, and if, if I'm being honest. They probably had to go, but some of the stuff that they tried to, to pin on Edgar himself was there, was there was nothing in that, you know what I mean? And they were trying to get people, you know, affect his business and get people chased out a podcast, which they were successful at. And then you've had on the back of that, you had similar stuff with the Daily Record, you know, that all these staff at the Daily Record who had similar stuff. Daily Record conduct a an internal investigation, which we've heard nothing about since, you know, there, there doesn't seem to be a conclusion. I don't think we'll ever hear what happened uh, or didn't happen to those individuals. Uh, so it's, it's the same thing, you know. It's the same. It's the same thing when it when it's on one side of the fence. The reaction is one of, of outrage and uh, offence, and oh my god. When it's on the other side, you know, it's ah well, you know, it's you know, it's not that bad. And I I, I don't think anything will happen to this guy. You'll will get off it and. You know, I mean, you also consider the, the the recent reaction to the four lads had a dream uh, video to to promote the 150th kit. You know, the, the amount, of, you know, the usual suspects again getting involved in that nonsense. Nil by mouth getting involved. Have nil by mouth said anything about this? Because I mean, they couldn't get involved in that yeah. video thing quick enough. You know, they, they 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 were on that like you couldn't believe. Have they made any comment about this guy's tweets? So. So I don't even need to go down the road of, oh, imagine if that was a Rangers player or director. We have examples of these things happening and the reaction from the same people within the media, from within, you know, civic life, like government and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's the same. It's exactly the same. When it's one side, there's a reaction and there's quite a fierce and severe reaction. When it's the other side, it's a shrug of the shoulders and nothing gets said. And on this occasion, I will be amazed if it's not the latter that comes out, it'll be a shrug of the shoulders and nothing yeah. will be said by Michael Stewart, by Graham Spears, by Nell by Mouth, by all the usual people who can't get onto their social media channels quick enough when something like this happens with, with, with Rangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, it just, it, it, it's it's appalling. It's as if commentators in, in this country don't want to accept that hunt is a sectarian term. That's the way that I see it, is that yeah. whilst, you know, it's it, it has been actually legally clarified as such in... in no, in no, by cases. mouth himself. So, exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, um, that's inconvenient, isn't it? It's inconvenient to to accept that because, like I say, Rangers fans have historic sectarian tweets. 
that's front page news of the Daily Record. Yeah. Let's see what's front page of the Daily Record tomorrow morning. You gents live up in Glasgow or in, in, in Scotland. You can um, you can keep us informed as to what is the front page of the Daily Record tomorrow. I will not hold my breath. <laughs> gents, that takes us over the hour. I think it's uh, probably the, the best place to leave it. So we will we will wrap up there. As always, a, a massive thank you to, to both Colin and Stuart for giving up their, their time and giving us their insight this evening. Thanks as well to everyone who's joined us live this evening on the YouTube stream. Uh, I know that Frankie's been, been having a look through your comments and questions there, so thank you for taking the time to get involved in the show. As always, the show is available for download on Monday morning, wherever you get your uh, podcast from, so please do give us a, a subscribe and make sure you check that out as well so you don't miss a thing from us. In the meantime, please head over to the website at www.jazznet.co.uk and get involved in our discussion forum. The show will, of course, be back next Sunday for another show. Uh, we look forward to speaking to you then. Until then, stay safe and have a great week.